Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Life of Education podcast. So today, Keith and I are here with Steve Cronin from Dead Simple Saving. Hi, Welcome. Steve. Hi. Good to be here. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for coming along. So do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and your business and what you're here to talk about today? Sure. So um, I run a website called deadsimplesaving.com and uh, the idea is to help as many people, particularly expats, to get a handle on their personal finance. Um, so that's to get out of debt, to uh, manage their expenses, and then particularly to start saving so that they can be freed from just working to earn money and do what they really want to do. At the same time, I, I also run a, a completely different business called Om Life, which does physiological testing. Um, so that's how I know a bit about the fitness industry. You're also a physiologist? Yeah, so mm-hmm. uh, at university, I studied physiology and psychology. And uh, then I went uh, and advised the financial services uh, industry, so banks, sovereign wealth funds, uh, for more years than I care to remember. Um, and then I came back into the uh, into the sports science and, and fitness industry uh, because I was really missing the, the biology and the psychology. And then through all that, I realized that what I care most about, my, my mission is to is to help people uh, with their personal finances uh, rather than advising companies or wealth funds or, or whatever and uh, so i 've come back through that to uh, to advise people um, for um, for helping them sort out their finances. Yeah, so do you know what's interesting? Just off the podcast, we were discussing about how important it is for people to really feel financially secure. So maybe you can tell us what, what's the first step or what's advice that you give to people? Yeah, I think there's a lot of people, especially where we are based in, in the UAE, who aren't financially secure and are kind of pretending that everything's just fine. Um, certainly in the fitness industry, you have a lot of people who have... Um, maybe lack a bit of job security as well. There's, yeah, a, there's a bit of a revolving door or they're just doing their own thing, um, whether licensed or sometimes unlicensed. Um, and so they have a fairly precarious job situation anyway. Um, and then there's a big element in, in Dubai, certainly, of keeping up with the Joneses where you have to pretend that your business is doing really well and you get invited to brunches all the time and everybody has a Lamborghini and uh, and so people can really get trapped into pretending that they have this fantastic lifestyle. Living off their credit card. Yeah, mm. exactly. I feel like you guys are reading my last four years. Of my life. <laughs> <laughs> the Lamborghini aside as well. From the, aside from the brunches and the Lamborghinis, everything else you're saying, I've struggled with. And now I'm in a much better place. <laughs> but coming over to Dubai, I'll just give you my quick thing and it might give a frame of reference as to how this will be definitely applicable to a lot of people in the fitness industry because i know i'm not alone with my with with the way my kind of last few years like living paycheck to paycheck yeah Mm. so came over to dubai um with an idea of doing job a land in dubai and i realized that's impossible i was kind of missold this idea of what i was advertised to come over got a bunch of savings no problem within the first three or four months Building a client base in Dubai, you know, working one hour a day at the beginning, then two hours a week, and then maybe four, six. It's about three months before you're making a full salary by any sort of stretch of the imagination of what you need to earn in Dubai. And then you've spent all your savings because you're in holiday mode. You've landed in Dubai. You've got so much free time. Everybody's 
trying to bring you out to meet their friends and everybody's being great and social. Yeah, and also you're new, so you want to go out and yeah. do things. You want to meet people. You have to, otherwise you're going to be lonely. Yeah, I, also have to, I also remember I have to pay for my deposit on my apartment. I have to do the thing. Oh, I have to do the one thing. check. Yeah, it's so, like, it's crazy as soon as you land. So then everything comes, the, the, everything gets all clear when, as soon as I get my credit card. Boom, there's your credit card. There's your bank. There's everything set up. Okay, now... I can relax a little. I can use my credit card because if I'll pay it off next month. Maybe two years to clear my credit card bill, maybe a bit longer because the interest rate here is extremely high. So you'll pay a little bit. By the end of the month, you put a small bit on, but you've also got interest. So it's back on to where it was. So you're just ebbing and flowing as the months go by through this uh, credit card bill that you're just living off. And again, it's Dubai, like you said. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of activities. Everybody seems to travel a lot. So you're getting invited on holidays abroad. That was one of the things that got me personally. But also the price of rent, that, that's going to be too expensive. And then uh, the summer comes along. And in the, the fitness industry, people travel during the summer because the weather's so hot, so business drops. The summer's quite difficult for PTs to get by financially. You come out of the summer, you start to build up your client base, you've barely scratched the credit card debt. Anyway, many, many years later and some big sacrifices later, I've managed to... Clear the bill and start saving. So, so Steve, basically, you're here to help us. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, no Steve, problem. Where were you four years ago? <laughs> I know. Come back. Yeah. I, I think there are a lot of people in your situation, as you say. And the first thing you have to do is just to be honest with yourself. Because if you can't be honest with yourself, then you can't be honest with, with anyone else. And, uh, and, and there's a real trap in Dubai. It's is the debt trap, and so many people get onto. It. I'm I'm on uh, the debt panel of the national, and I hear these terrible, terrible stories every single What's week. The debt panel? So the debt panel is for people to write into to the national newspaper, and uh, quite often um, there'll be um, uh, Indians or, or, or Pakistanis who are on fairly low salaries, and uh, something happens. So they're building up credit card debt, and then something happens. Like they have to pay for a family medical emergency back in India or they get fired. Something happens and then they're in a complete mess because they cannot pay their credit card debt off before. Um, so the lifestyle that you're living, it's tough, but it's okay and it's livable until something bad mm-hmm. happens. Mm. So, so you've got to be honest with yourself about the state of your finances and you've got to be honest with yourself about the vulnerability that you're putting yourself in because if something bad happens you could easily leave dubai with nothing and mm-hmm. and lots and lots yeah. of people do that do, yeah. and it's really sad especially if you've been working hard you know like none of these people in the fitness industry are lazy they're getting up at 5 a.m they might even have clients at 9 p.m yeah. uh so i would say be honest with yourself and then have a plan and 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 track the numbers like so tell, tell me, how do people do that financially? How are they honest with themselves financially? Does this mean like putting things on a spreadsheet, full disclosure, looking at all your credit card expenses, tracking everything? Is that what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a 10-step plan that I've created over over the years for, for like <laughs> sorting, <laughs> sorting my, yourself out. My strategy out. was just stop spending money. Yeah. It was just sacrifice. It was stay and in, go to work, work harder. 
and just say no to everything. Yeah, Steve, I don't know if you know anything about my story, but I had a like horrific accident three years ago. Nice. I had no medical insurance. Uh, I was like 14 surgeries in having to pay for everything. Wow. So I totally understand this whole like this, oh, everything's so amazing. I'm like, everything's fine. And then whack, life hits yeah. you in the face and you're like, oh my God, how do I pay this? Like it's astronomical. Yeah. So I understand. So tell us about your 10-step plan, okay. please. And like, so, I suddenly yeah. feel really great about my last few years. <laughs> <laughs> I put your shit uh, into perspective. I shouldn't have been complaining. Yeah. So step one is really understand your psychology around money. That's the first thing. You have to understand your mindset. You have to understand where your mindset is now and then where it needs to be later. And obviously where it needs to be later is thinking, I, I can be good with money. I am good with money. I am going to make money. I'm going to be successful. Money's going to come to me. It sounds a bit fluffy, but you can really get into this mindset where money just flows through you. You earn it mm. and you immediately give it back to the government or back to your landlord. And, and you've got to snap yourself out of that. Um, the second thing is a lot of people are like, oh, I'm, I'm bad with money. Uh, I hate numbers. I hate spreadsheets. So like get over yourself. You're adults now. You know, mommy and daddy can't support you. You've got to, you've got to take ownership of that. And it's really not that difficult. It just takes a bit of discipline. But hey, you guys are already getting up at 5 a.m. And you already got on the plane to come to Dubai. So, you know, you can find that discipline to, to do this if you, if you want to stay here. Um, but first, it, it's important to really understand where your money foibles have come from. Money is similar to health. It's similar to relationships. It's kind of intangible. And therefore, you really have to dig deep and go all the way back to your parents' attitude to money. How did they talk about money around you? Do you remember them having difficult times? Did you have to move house? Uh, or conversely, was money just no object and uh, you, you were a, a little prince or princess and no one ever mentioned money around you because they didn't want to suck you into the world of the adult world of dealing with finances and then suddenly age 18 or 21 or 25 you're, you're dumped into the real world and you discover that money didn't grow on trees so i'd be interested to hear from you guys if you think all the way back what was your parents attitude to money and the people around you and how has that influenced your attitude to money why are you laughing <laughs> you go first <laughs> okay um, putting on the spot here no, guys well, a couple of clear things my dad set up his own company when i was seven or eight years old and i can remember being quite young going to the supermarket with my with my with my mom and looking into the trolley and seeing that all of the food was the same color branding there was all this red blue and yellow and white stripes everything the toilet paper the tissue boxes the cereal Obviously, as an adult now, looking back, we were buying the own brand stuff. Do you know? We are the yeah, the, the cheap the Tesco value, yeah, whatever that was. Yeah, back then. So at the time, I didn't know that. So n how were my parents' attitudes? We didn't. I didn't know anything. But also, I was quite young. And then, as I got older, uh, we all of my, me and my sisters went to kind of private schools. We had. We weren't rich, but we had like a, a great life. You know, my parents did a great job of managing the money that they had and we never were left wanting. We didn't, we weren't the type that had 
holidays abroad and Disneyland or any of that stuff. But what we had, we had happiness and, and great, you know. So I think my parents did a great job of managing the money. My dad was an accountant. So they did a great job of managing it. And then we didn't feel any sort of pinch. But looking back, I don't actually know how close we were to a breadline, except for a few memories of just, you know, things must, look as an adult now, thinking about it, things must have been pretty tight. And was your dad saying, you've got to have your own business or you've got to work hard for money or you've got to invest money? What was his his message to you? No, my parents were pretty pretty calm about, like, do whatever you want, just always do your best kind of thing. I was a more of a sporty person, so I had kind of my path picked to go down the sports something mm. from when I was younger. My sisters all did whatever they wanted. No one's in the finance world. No one's in the, the high... F- earnings you know there's never that kind of pressure on us okay so quickly over to you before i get oh asked another question <laughs> i feel like i'm in a psychology chair now yeah. crazy this might be um, what we need though oh maybe absolutely so uh what was your question again how is so uh, what were your parents attitude to money and mm. and your early life and the messages you received about what money can do for it how you can get money do you have to work for it does it just flow into you I think, um, so my dad died when I was very, very young. And prior to that, we traveled a lot and we moved to lots of different countries fairly regularly. So I don't ever remember feeling any or hearing or knowing anything about that. Um, but it was definitely after my dad passed away that things changed massively. My mom was like a single mom looking after three girls. She got really sick. She did everything in her power to make our lives amazing and she did an amazing job at that. And now looking back, I think, oh my God, I don't even know how she did that on her own and being really sick at the same time. So I don't remember I remember I don't remember there being a lot of talk about it, but I remember feeling that it was like after my dad passed away, we were just all surviving. Like it was tough for sure. Okay, guys, so, so now the question is, how has this impacted how you deal with money today? Um, today, the person who's got some savings in the bank and who's comfortable and, like, not rich, but just the anxiety of my car breaking down, or the, the, the thought of my car breaking down this afternoon doesn't make me panic is different to the guy from two, three years ago. That would send me off the rails. I think now I'm more balanced, but if you had asked me that question two, three years ago, it's just, I would have said I was just frivolously spending, you know, just that. I don't think, like I wasn't short of money. I wasn't on the bread line. My business, my job was successful, but I was just somewhere, I was, what you know, the phrase, just hemorrhaging money. So I don't know what the connection is, but I don't know. I couldn't answer. Yeah, I think people hemorrhage money here a lot. I think I do that too. I don't... uh, I think my relationship with money is probably very similar. Like, it comes in, it goes out. It comes in, it goes out. But I've also been very fortunate enough to, like, never really feel like it was ever a problem um, or anything that I thought about or that I panicked about ever. But I'm also, like, very fortunate as well to have a partner who we both, like, share a lot of the responsibility and we both support each other in lots of different ways. So if 
there's issues in his life, then I'm there. If there's issues in my life, then he's there. So it it makes things definitely easier when you have somebody else to to kind of manage those ups and downs, the peaks and the troughs. So I think, yeah, that helps a lot. Yeah, it feels like with both of you that your parents did a really good job of protecting you from having to worry about money. Mm. Um, and that's maybe <laughs> meant that you... Good or bad. Haven't, well, it's, it, it's great in terms of having a solid childhood and, and therefore you know, having a relatively stable emotional base. It's really important. The downside of it is that perhaps you don't think about money enough and you just kind of like, oh yeah, money's just going to kind of ebb and flow. So so let's think about what you can actually do. Um, and you mentioning panic attacks and anxiety. Yeah, money can be the number one cause of divorce, probably mm. uh, the number one cause of arguments and, uh, and a massive source of stress, um. especially if you're not if you're not getting it. Of course. Sorry to interrupt you. I was going to tell you both a story. Um, Maybe I have a friend about eight years ago who was in so much financial debt. She committed suicide in Dubai. Obviously had no like family here. So there was a group of girls and it was us who went and packed up her house, who packed up her thing, who ended up calling the police. One of my best friends who moved to Australia ended up finding her. Um, so really, really sad story. But she was in so much financial debt. And to think, like, it's so sad to think that somebody would do that over money, that they would, like, not feel so much pressure that they wouldn't want to be alive anymore. Like, that's massive. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people that go through that here that get given these huge credit card, uh, like, uh, what is it? A limit. Limit, yes. Yeah, my, they, they jacked my, they doubled my limit in, over a text message. Not very recently they've done it. I was like, I don't want all that more money. Yeah. I can't get rid of that. That's I now have this outrageously high credit card limit. Yeah. So I think this topic is so important to people here in particular and, and everywhere really. Like it's it's so sad. That has never left me. Every time I think about like my friend, oh God, it breaks my heart because mm. what a, like so sad. Anyway, sorry. Th- this place can be a bit of a credit candy store, and and you could literally just gorge yourself until all your teeth fell out, and and then you realise you don't have enough money to go to the dentist, right? So, so I think the what I'd say to to everybody listening is that you have to take control of this straight away, and the act of taking control, even taking that first step, will relieve a lot of the anxiety. Because then, even if you just write all your numbers down, like on a piece of paper or on a spreadsheet, the act of doing that, you'll feel like, okay, at least I know what the situation is. At so least I is know. that the first step? Absolutely. So the first step is to so the first step is to sort out your mindset to understand any crazy issues that you might have had from your family, from your youth, from where things have gone wrong in your past, mm-hmm. um, and then change that mindset to say. I'm going to be good with money. I'm going to be good with personal finance. I'm going to take the time to track my key numbers and I'm going to take the time to read up about this and I'm going to be disciplined. So that's the first thing. Just get your mindset sorted. So using both of us as a case study, it would be advice to us, wake up, start watching what you're spending, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or just make that decision that you are going to start managing your money and that you're not going to be on that... Uh, money for time treadmill okay i think for me just on that one of the main things that happened to me was 
the thing that allowed me was I, 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 let, I broke up out of a relationship and I went to live by myself, which allowed me down downsize my place, pay less rent, move to a closer area to where I worked. Like there's a lot of change that happened around that that kind of gave me that first break in the cycle to then go, okay, now now it's just me in my world and the thought of writing all this stuff down on a spreadsheet, I wouldn't know where to start. I would need someone to sit with me and go, like, what do I do? How, where where do I get this information? Right, go through your text messages. What, all of them? Yeah. Go through all of the bank statements, go through all of the things and just start writing them down. The thought of doing that is like what what losing fifty kilos must be to an overweight person. Do you know where do I start? I need some I need someone to help me with this. Um I think for me it was just stops downsize down what's the word? Downsize downsizing. Downsize all of my big expenses. So that in three months time I have a chunk. Even if I didn't change my frivolous spending, my deliveries and all that stuff. Which that actually started getting popular after this, which kind of <laughs> tripped me up again a little bit. But anyway, um that was that was how I changed it. But the thought of what you're saying now is like I couldn't have done that. Downsizing is is a great step and it's not easy. But what you've done is you've you've disconnected your reality, which is you don't have a huge amount of money and you have a lot of debt, from your public persona, which is I'm successful, yeah, I will you know, I can keep up with the Joneses, I can come to brunch, I'm living the life, I can keep up with my banker friends or clients. Uh if that's not your reality and you're just living on credit card debt and and car loans and 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 uh, other loans even worse loans from friends and family you you have to stop that and you have to be tough on yourself and say I'm going to change and it's going to require saying no to brunches yeah. I might lose a few friends I'm not going to live an impressive two bed flat anymore I'm going to live in a pokey one bed flat somewhere out out in the sticks and it's tough and you feel vulnerable and embarrassed and and are your friends all going to abandon you and probably the the friends who who are real friends will stick with you and you may even change them as well and help them and and the friends who who are not good for you who aren't your real friends who have your best interests at heart yeah they might go and have brunch with someone else but that's done you a good service and it's not easy to take that step so so um the act of of writing the numbers down can help you realize that the situation is sufficiently bad that you have to do what's so difficult, which is to change your change your reality and admit to everybody that it's not going as as well as as perhaps you want it. Um, and you'll be amazed when you when you tell people this. You know, like, oh, I'm having. People say, oh, how are you doing? How's your business? And and the knee jerk reaction is, yeah, it's great. And you put on a little smiley face, and inside you're kind of yes, like, Ugh. especially when it looks great on Instagram. Yeah. Exactly. Your business, because they don't ask you how it is, they tell you how it is. Yeah. Everything looks great. How's it going? Looks like you're smashing yeah, yeah. it. Because that's yeah. what we used to get. And I'd be there going, Yeah, and exactly. Don't and ask so, me any more questions. And, yeah. and they don't necessarily <laughs> want to hear from you all your problems. But, but you could say, Oh, you know, it's like, uh, it's a bit challenging, or I could do with another client. Or, and then, hey, these people might actually help you. If they think everything's great, they're like, okay, yeah, fine. Do you know, that, that's what, when you mentioned before about being honest, it's, you'll be surprised how many people like really are open 
to to okay that's your real situation yeah. okay i know that happened with me i've got no problem telling people um but yeah when i had my accident i had loads of my yoga friends coming in going oh i'm just sending you love and light i was like babe i'm broke i'm in hospital i've been told i'm never going to walk again and i have this mammoth bill like there's no love and light here like this is just mud like that's it just send and, money <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and literally that's that's what people did all my friends my friend one of my best friends from australia started this go fund thing and they basically helped me <laughs> helped my bones and helped all my surgeries and stuff and it was amazing but yeah like if i sat there and i was like no everything's great like then none of that would have manifested so i think what you're saying is <coughs> very valuable yeah it's also honest. it's also apt <laughs> timing since this week is mental health week and the slogan yep. is it's 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 okay to what is it it's okay to not be okay What's been great about Mental Health Day is seeing all of these famous people or people that you know admitting that they've had issues uh, because otherwise we tend to bury those issues pretty pretty deep and, and you know you might cry in the shower but you don't really reveal it to other people and 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 that act of hiding from the world is, is very damaging over the long term. So to see people like Kira Knightley today admitting she had issues um, or... I saw this this uh, this video from a law firm yesterday that had ten, twenty people, partners, all the way down, admitting that they had depression and mental health problems, and yet they'd still made it as successful lawyers. Um, and when this video comes out, they then have to go and look people in the face the next day, and yeah. and, and it, it could conceivably have affected their career. They're quite brave to just make this video but it's a huge step forward when i was a, a management consultant consulting is for kind of paranoid overachievers and you'd always think all your friends were doing amazingly and and you were the only one having having a rough day uh, but there were plenty of people who who would dread going to work on a monday morning or just couldn't cope um, and if you were honest about it then you know, they support that yeah. yeah and yeah. then you, you you get through it and you realize that you you are good at things and everyone else is in the same boat yeah i mean only recently a friend of mine got in touch with me he's having some some financial issues and he was like i know you've been through some stuff i just need to chat to someone and that was that might help him so he'll come through that he might be able to speak to somebody else later on and he'll be able to help them um one of the things that really motivated me it sounds strange was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast he would talk about a, he'd repeat the same thing over and over again on his podcast and he used to tell this story repeatedly about when he got his first major paycheck he realized that he didn't have to worry about rent for the rest of the year and I remember every time he would say that I was like I want that feeling like I don't want necessarily need I don't need a Lamborghini I don't need to live in a, in a massive villa but just get me over that hump get me out of that hump and that was one of the things that used to motivate me and it's it's hearing people's problems that they're the same as you and now look where they are do you know they they worked on it nothing nothing fell into their lap they had to work on it they had to make sacrifices mm. they had to dig deep so maybe maybe with that motto you could tell us what step three is yeah absolutely uh so we haven't even got to step two yet oh. actually <laughs> um but before okay before i get to step two the reason step one is about mindset is because it's so important. And if we spent the whole time talking about that, that's fine. What I would challenge you is maybe to set up some kind of group for people in the fitness industry. 
and it may even be two groups for people who are running companies and people who are who are just uh, who are who are instructors um where they can come and be honest about where they've screwed up money issues personal issues mental issues and and get that solidarity because you're all you know what the industry's like it's quite unique in terms of the pressures and what you have to do and and i think getting people together there is an element where you're all competing with each other to some extent it makes it a bit difficult um but if you if you can do that i think that would be hugely well maybe hugely we can powerful. we can bring you on board to do that <laughs> maybe but you guys i think you guys have to have to drive it because you're you're in the industry and i think that in terms of giving back to the community that's the sort of thing where you're you're helping the people who who came uh, who came before you um and there is a hierarchy of needs so so forget about financial independence if you can just get to financial security where you wake up and you you know that you're not going to get evicted from your home the next day mm. that takes so much pressure yeah. off so Step two, the last, uh, is to track your net worth. Okay, there's a bit of jargon here. So your net worth is the difference between your assets and your liabilities. So like any company has a balance sheet, you need to manage your own personal balance sheet. So what does that mean? It means on, on the left-hand side, all your assets. So everything that you own. So that could be cash in the bank, uh, it could be any savings that you have, uh, any deposits, any pensions you've got from a previous company, uh, any, uh, to some extent, cars, if they haven't completely uh, got too old by now, uh, any property that you might have inherited or whatever, any gold, stocks, bonds, anything like that, um, and any money that people owe to you absolutely everything track it put it on an excel spreadsheet mine will say zero <laughs> i don't believe that for well, a second i love that we're made it this is an honest yeah. forum so zero on that column <laughs> and then the other column <laughs> <laughs> um because we carry a lot of these things in 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 our heads and there's probably you know we have a bank account back home we have a bank account here you might even have multiple bank accounts all these bits and pieces we carry them in our head and that creates psychological stress as well. So I'm saying stop that. I like that, yeah. Put it all on one sheet of paper or one, preferably one Excel spreadsheet so it's there when you need to look at it and update it on the first of every month, religiously, every month, especially if you're, you're out of control. You have to do this. Do it every week or every day if you have to. The second column is your, your liabilities column. So that's what, you owe to other people so it's going to be your credit card balance that you haven't paid off yet uh, it's going to be your car loan it's going to be your um, if you have a mortgage or any other loans um, and then what money you might have borrowed from other people and you write that all down and you update it now the difference therefore between your assets and your liabilities is your net worth and it may even be negative if you're really far into debt it may be negative but the biggest thing is just to know that number that is the single best number the single best metric and is that number then will that be like an amount of money yes so it'll, be, a plus, it'll be green or it'll be red absolutely so so let's say you've got 
hundred thousand dirhams that you've saved and 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 got invested in places, and then you've got fifty thousand dirhams of debt, car loans, etc. Then your net worth is going to be fifty thousand dirhams. If you've got a hundred thousand dirhams of assets and you've got two hundred thousand dirhams of of liabilities and debt, then your net worth is going to be minus one hundred dirhams. But knowing that number is so important because if you know and track that number, then you can manage that number and you can say, my goal is to make that positive if it's negative already, yeah. or my goal is to make it a hundred thousand within a year and then a million dirhams within three years, whatever it is. Um, and you can start making lifestyle choices and mental decisions around that. So I'd encourage everybody to do this. It doesn't take very long at all. Have one Excel spreadsheet. I actually have a, a template that I built for, for dead simple saving. It's free. You can just download it from the website. Cool. Um, and your website is dead simple saving dot like com. Dot com. Yeah, okay. exactly. I deliberately chose a, a radio friendly name so mm-hmm. that you don't, you know, uh, so that it's easy for people. It's to, a good to name. Hear. Yeah, and uh, and also because I like to keep things dead simple. I think there's so many complicating factors out there that can turn your brains in knots. Uh, there's so many financial advisors, especially uh, dealing with expats who will completely rip you off, yeah. lock you into long-term savings plans. If you're in the fitness industry where cash flow is a bit unpredictable and even your job is unpredictable, uh, you absolutely don't want a 5, 10, 20, 25-year savings plan. Of course. Uh, or, or one of these uh, whole-of-life life insurance plans. Yeah. That, that an absolute... Uh, an absolute scam, I would say. I, I think uh, so don't too. Get, don't get trapped in one. Do you Absolutely remember, don't. so a while ago, we were trying to uh, sort some stuff out for Allo and one of the banks here wouldn't let us open an account unless we either did a 10-year savings plan or we did this life insurance plan. They wouldn't let us open an account unless we did that. And I was like... No, that's ridiculous. Like, I'm not doing that. I don't even know if I'm going to be here for 10 years. I don't yeah. need that. So, anyway. So, you went to a different bank. Yeah. I'm really surprised by that. Um, that's a new low from what I've heard. Yeah. Uh, it was quite bad. We'll tell you the bank after. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. You, you, should, you should avoid that. There are some, there are some good, good banks that are quite friendly for, for uh, startup companies, and, and those are the ones that you, you should aim for. Um, so that's the first thing is to, is to track your net worth. And really, that is throughout your whole life. That's perhaps one of two metrics that, that you need to measure that's important for your personal finance. So it's really not that complicated. Um, so you guys can report back to me next week yeah. <laughs> with your numbers. I know, numbers. we're both going to go home. Yeah, oh like my God. Confidentially. Yeah. Um, well, what I'm thinking and report to each other. I think the other thing I'm, I didn't mention is having an accountability partner, whether it's your other half or, or whether it's someone else Hi. where you admit You're my other half. Yeah, <laughs> you admit to each other and you say like this this is this is where I am and I commit to changing this situation and then you really hold each other accountable yeah. in in a brutal way That's great for, for many goal settings but let's let, let, yeah let's you can you know losing weight gaining weight climbing a mountain make it public tell someone and you've got someone accountability That's a really important point you guys who are, who are PTs or running gyms, uh, you know how to get your clients to lose weight, to track what they're eating, uh, 
to to track their weight, to track their fat percentage. Personal finance is exactly the same. If you are tracking what you are eating or if you are tracking what you are spending, you will eat and spend okay. less. Yeah. It is exactly the same the same so you guys know how to do this already because you're in a very similar yeah. industry that requires a similar mentality uh, just apply that mentality of weight loss to uh, to your wallet so the next the next stage is to track something called your uh, your monthly savings this rate number four? this is number three, number three. <laughs> okay. wow. yeah this is uh, well, what i was thinking is let's do as many as we can <coughs> yeah if we get to five six or seven We'll, we'll come back in a couple of weeks. We'll finish the list off with a second podcast, a part two maybe. And then, so we can actually get into, because this is very interesting. I, I wouldn't like to rush through it. Sure, for the sake sure, of absolutely. Time pressure, if we can fix it up. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, absolutely. The, and these steps, these initial steps are the most important, especially if you're, if you're struggling. So it's fine to dwell on these. So step three is to, to track your monthly savings rate. Um, and that is, all your income minus all your expenses. And then to find out what the percentage is of your expenses uh, as what you've got left at the end of the day. So for example, if, you, if you're making 20,000 dirhams a month coming in from everywhere, doesn't just have to be a salary, you can have side hustles, you can have dividends. <laughs> I love that you call for, it a hustle. <laughs> yeah, you can have, uh, I love the word side hustle, it's such a great name. Um, you could have whatever rental income, like whatever. You could be selling your drawings, however you make uh, you make uh, money from that. So let's say you're making 20,000 a month and then your expenses are 15,000 a month. Then what you've got left at the end of the month is 5,000 dirhams. So your savings rate is 25%. So that's 5,000 saved out of your 20,000 income every month. So 25%, is that okay? Well, people say, oh, you should be saving 10 to 20% of your income. That is if you, you know, you've know, you got a very stable job in the UK and you're happy to work till you're 60. Now, there's a, uh, there's a new movement out there called financial independence or FIRE, financial independence, retire early. It doesn't mean retire as in play golf. It just means retire from doing a job you don't want to do so that you can do what you really want to do. Um, and and if you want to really take control of your finances, you need to maximize your savings rate as much as you possibly can. We're talking 50%. We're talking 80%. I fully realize that if you have a family, if you have kids, uh, it's going to be difficult to get your savings rate up but if you don't then anything you can do to boost that savings rate will transform your life literally you'll get to financial security then you'll get to financial independence and it will literally be transformational can you define those two things for me what do you mean by financial like i understand but maybe for everybody can you define what it really means to be financially secure and what it means to be financially independent? Because I know sure. some people think, oh, okay, well, I'm financially secure. I've got a stable job and I live paycheck to, to, to paycheck. But that's not really the case. So maybe you can define that for everyone. Yeah. So uh, the, first, the first level would be that you just, 
you're just earning enough money to to eat and sleep and that's not really financial security i think where you mentioned keith that you had financial security is where you knew that if your car breaks down that you can you can cover it yeah. that you have some saved in the bank or you have enough cash flow coming in from clients that you know that you can cover that within a couple of days um, that is financial security so that you know that you're not one step from disaster because if you're only making enough money to cover your rent and your food any one thing a client says says no or or you have medical bills or something like that anxiety stress yeah, it, yeah. It, first yeah. you're going to get anxiety and second you're going to have real problems yeah. especially if the banks come knocking and you can't pay off your we minimum had a, payment sorry to interrupt cards. you we had a, a previous uh, person on one of our podcasts Zito who mentioned that you needed to have five months worth of your, your salary there and that was like a financial security measure right is that something that you would advise people yeah having having enough money in the bank builds a lot of security now uh, all of these numbers are, are debated endlessly in the in the financial independence community I would say I would typically say between three and six months so yeah, that's right. Um, and it depends on your level of income security. So if you are a PT and things could change really quickly or if you've got the summer coming and everyone yeah. goes home, yeah. then yeah, five, six months is probably a good idea. If you've got a super well-paid job in a stable industry, you can move that down to three months. Or if you happen to have lots of investments and rental income, you might not need to have that buffer. Um, so that's actually a step I think that's step five where you have um, put a cash buffer in place it's really important and yeah definitely three to six months um, just sitting there doesn't have to sit in the UAE some of it can sit in in dirhams but some of it can sit in in dollars or pounds or euros uh, outside of the country just in case something happens to you that also is a further level level of resilience and, and security um, so it's really about resilience. If you if you can go through all sorts of crazy hard knocks, then you are financially secure, financially resilient. Uh, if you, um, just like if you're in the gym and you know that you can pick up a heavy weight without doing your back, you've got that kind of resilience there. Mm-hmm. So that if you have to put a suitcase up in the, up in the, the hold in, 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 in the, on a flight, yeah. Uh, or pick it up, pick it up from the uh, from the conveyor belt, um, or or run to catch a bus. That you're not gonna, yeah. you're not gonna burst something. That level of resilience. Financial independence is where you are generating enough income from your investments, stocks, bonds, property, whatever, or side hustles, <laughs> that you can cover your li- living expenses completely. And therefore, you don't need a job. So, for example, if you are receiving 20,000 uh, 20, dirhams from your investments every, every month and, you're, and you've got your job of bringing you 20,000 dirhams and you hate your job and your expenses are 20,000 dirhams, then you don't need that job because your, your passive investments <coughs> are completely covering your expenses at least you have a choice mm-hmm. you have a choice of whether to say i'm going to stay keep up this job and build up my investments even further but you don't have to and with that 
brings a lot of security and a lot of freedom. And that is financial independence. And what I teach people is how to get there. Uh, but, but a lot of this comes down to your savings rate. And that's why this number, as well as net worth, your monthly savings rate, is really important. If you can increase your income and you can reduce your expenses, that's how you boost your your net set, your monthly savings rate. So you have two levers, income and expenses. Um, and probably reducing your expenses is the most powerful of all. Because if you reduce your expenses, your savings rate goes up. But also, if you reduce your expenses and you get used to living a less flamboyant lifestyle, then your annual living expenses go down and they are more easily covered by the income that's going to be generated by your side hustles and by your investments, which means that you can reach financial independence much sooner. So if you are are saving 50, 60, 70, 80% of your income, you can reach financial independence years before. uh, If you're just saving 20% of your income, it may be 20 30 years um so so there's a there's a bit of a a triangle here that will determine every single decision that you make so that is what is your net worth do you need to grow it probably yes what's your monthly savings rate is it high enough probably no and then your happiness and you can triangulate that between the three because i'm not suggesting that you just live on instant noodles and economy potatoes or whatever yeah. yeah and a can of beans um in the dark people have yeah, done this to turn off all the lights and start lighting candles later on today yeah, yeah. people have done this so uh, there's a guy called andrew hallam who's the millionaire expert um, and the millionaire teacher and on a teacher's salary working in uh, in singapore and other places in canada he became a millionaire just on a teacher's salary by saving lots and lots of money, investing it sensibly in the stock market. But he was a bit extreme to start with. And when he was younger, he would literally just live on pasta and commute an hour and a half on his bicycle to to the school. Um, So it's absolutely possible. Um, I would really recommend his book, by the way. Uh, The Millionaire Expat is probably the ultimate book on saving and investing for expats. Our next book for our book club. Yeah, I cannot (laughs) recommend it highly enough. Uh, The man is uh, is an absolute uh, wonder. He's he's such a nice guy. And now he travels around the world uh, just experiencing life as as retired. Um, But also uh, giving talks. Uh, He comes to Dubai and gives talks on how to avoid savings plans how to you know, transform your finances. Most of these talks are free if you get a chance to see him. Uh, is he's he coming really out brilliant. soon? Uh, yeah, he is. Uh, I think he's here on the 17th of October. Oh, wow, that's uh, really soon. soon. Which is very yeah. soon. Uh, with the that will be before we get this podcast out. I know. Yeah. Maybe we can get in contact with him. But I think he is, he is around this week and he does come back every three to six months. Um, but there are also other other sources that have been inspired by by him. So my website, I'm very much a Halamite, um, inspired by him. So so my website tries to have similar resources. There's, I'm also on the board of something called Simply Fi, uh, so Simply Financial Independence, 
and uh, they have a fantastic Facebook a Facebook group for people in the UAE. I think it's got 2,500 members now, and and they teach people for free how to become financially independent. Um, but I think we're not quite at that investing stage because we're still at the maximizing your savings rate, and that's boosting your income and reducing your expenses. So so let's talk about boosting your income. Here again, it requires a bit of honesty. How is your job going? How is your PT solo entrepreneur business going? How is your business going? How is your gym going? You need to be brutally honest with yourself and look at the numbers. Because when you look at the numbers, you can be like, I need to increase this by 10% every month or 10% a year or whatever it is. How do I do that? You can get help from other people, get ideas from other people, or just think about it yourself. Once you track these numbers, then you can change them. But lots of people have a head-in-the-sand approach where they don't dare look at their numbers or they're too busy to track their client numbers. They're like, oh, I kind of got a feel for it. Things will never change. And the worst you can do is kind of bump along just about surviving. And we've all done it, right? We've all done it. We've all just bump along with our businesses or with our careers or, or relationships or whatever it is, just bump along and nothing changes. So so really, if you want to get yourself out of any kind of hole, get yourself to financial security and then to independence, you have to look at your numbers and run it like a proper business. You are here running this business, whether it's just you or a gym with other people depending on you, you have to run it properly. So the way to do that is to look at all of your sources of income. Do you have enough clients? Are you charging your clients enough? It's really important to, to if, if possible, uh, boost, boost the number of clients you have, boost the amount that you're charging them, and, and be brave, right? You can be, be brave to think, well, I'm actually worth a lot, you know, a lot more than this. You don't have to be bargain basement. Sure, if you're just starting out, get that exposure, um, and you may say, okay, I'm going to just not charge very much for the first six months and make a name for myself mm. and get more clients. Well, sorry to interrupt you there. I think that's uh, that's actually something that people need to address very honestly as well. There's, there's a lot of uh, personal trainers and people in the fitness industry who are extremely qualified and undercharging. And then you have some people that are insta-famous and very, very little qualifications and are charging so much because of that. And I think that's obviously a very different topic but people need to be really honest about okay this is the parameters of what people charge for a session and this is actually where I'm at on this spectrum um in a very honest honest way so yeah if people are like someone like you Keith who's massively overqualified being able to charge more because you are you have that body of knowledge behind you and the expertise and then other people who are brand new into the industry can't be charging 500 dirhams for an hour because you don't have any experience or qualifications or the education to support that so that's a very interesting topic yeah you digress you have to you have to find your niche if you if you focus on rich people and you go to their homes, and they're all happy to pay 500 dirhams an hour, then yeah, charge 500 dirhams an hour. But if that means you're only getting two clients a week, then then you're too expensive. Uh, but uh, you, you do have to find your worth, and you, you have to also understand that the more you charge, probably the fewer clients you'll get, but they, that may free up more time. So that instead of 10 clients at 250, you're getting five clients at 500, Actually, that's the same amount of income 
for half the effort, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. There's always going to be a balance, and you have to find that balance. But by knowing your numbers really well, then you can experiment. And, and the next client that comes along, instead of saying, I charge 300, you say, oh, okay, I charge 350. Or you may find a, a particular client, you're like, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to say, oh, I charge 500. And they're like, yeah, no problem. Um, and by the way, you have to, there's a psychological element. You have to say that confidently. Yeah. You can't say, yeah, I charge 500. But for you, I'll, 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 I'll give you a discount. Or you say, I charge 500. And they're like, and then, and then you crumble. Yeah. You, you have to be strong about it. And you just say, oh, yeah, here is 500 dirhams. That's it. And you may never hear back from them again. That's okay. I think, because that's something I struggled with when I started in the, in, the, in the freelance industry was having the confidence to say, this is how much it is. And we don't particularly charge that much. But this is how much it is. And I know that budget in your, in the client's world, budget's a big thing. And I could tiptoe, I could guess that you're probably going to come in a little less. So for me to secure this sale, maybe it's beneficial if I drop the prices by 25% because I don't think this person is going to buy at, at this higher price. But having the comments say, this is it, and that's all. There's no more to it. Like, this is the price. You're going to get a lot of good results. Mm. We're going to have a, like a, we're going to really be successful. The money's going to be well spent. Well, I think this is the difference between the business model that you have with your other company, the PTC, um, is that you do have different services for those different price ranges. Yeah. So if people are not able to fit into the more expensive one, you yeah. can say, well, this is our price. This is a private session. If you can't afford this, we have a semi-private and then we have a class. So yeah. You have a tier that people can slot into at any budget and that's that's slightly different some people don't don't have those things but that's what's unique about but, the PGC. But we, we set that up in a, in a bid to counteract the people who can't pay the pt one-on-one -on -one premium rate because we understand that that's important to other people is to not spend ten thousand dirhams in two and a half months do you know on their on their fitness um but i completely understand the problem because i used to endure it of being afraid to ask for money, being afraid to say, this is the price, and then no sale. It's like, oh, no, I yeah. should have dropped it. If I, if I had said it was less, I would have, I'd now have more money. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you have done with your tiered pricing really helps you to feel less bad if someone says no, because you can either drop them down to a different tier or you have enough regular cheap business, that's high-volume, low-margin yeah. business, uh, that can keep you afloat. And I think it's worth talking here about cash flow because I think cash flow is something that can kill a business and can probably kill a solo entrepreneur. So what I mean by cash flow is money coming in and money coming out, um, the flow of that cash, uh, because uh, that is, is really crucial to survival. So you could have plenty of money coming towards you You've got clients who, who, who've got their monthly packages and they pay every month and, and it's getting towards the end of the month and some of them delay and then suddenly you have to pay your rent. So you've got a huge amount coming out and not enough coming in. So on paper, everything could look good, but suddenly you're in a real crunch because you need 20, 30, 50,000 dirhams to pay your rent and, uh, and your clients are paying you a week later. Yeah. Uh, that or if you're dealing with a company, they may not pay you for three months. Yeah. So you could you could have a great business, uh, teaching uh, corporates, doing training for for their for their employees, and then they pay you a couple of months late, 
and those tens of thousands of dirhams that you're you're supposed to be getting just don't come in. Um, one of the best ways to manage your cash flow, two things, obviously track it. If things are getting really bad and you need to take control of your life and calm down that anxiety and sleep at night, track your cash flow literally to the day. Say, on this day, I'm going to have a thousand dirhams coming in. On this day, I'm going to have 5,000 dirhams going out. How do I bridge that gap? And uh, that will honestly save you rather than just trying to juggle it all in your head or just trying to wing it or, or not admitting that in 10 days you're going to have a massive problem with your rent check. If you can track it by the day, then you have control and you can start thinking about ways to fix it. And I promise your anxiety levels will go way, way down. Um, but another way to really help with your cash flow is if you're in a lumpy business where you are doing trainings for corporates or whatever, where you don't get paid very often, but when you do get paid, it's good, is to create a, a small, high-volume, regular business. So whether that's your semi-private training that, that you guys do... Or a circuit class. Uh, or a circuit class, yeah. exactly, absolutely. Uh, so that it's bringing in some money every day. So that if your big-ticket item gets delayed by a week or two weeks or a month, that small regular cash flow that's coming in, that will really mm -hmm. save you. Um, and that creates a much more stable business. Um, and it helps with the clients because then you've got a whole range of yeah. clients from, from people who can't pay very much or not willing to pay very much yeah. to people who can pay a lot. And people, That gives you stability. What we noticed just from a personal experience, when we set up our company, you know, there's all different types of, of people from advanced to beginner and there's all different types of budgets from, from high-end to, to budget people. So what we want is to be able to f create something where we can fit everybody in. So over four years, somebody can move up and down and stay training with us and enjoy the community feel. So we have a circuit class four times a week. We have the semi-private and then we have the PT stuff. So we have experienced people floating around up and down. They change because people's budget changes. This is like as much as you might be an, an awesome PT or awesome uh, yoga Pilates instructor, your client gets hit with a school fee or a something something in their life. They get a new job that's going to knock on to you. So if you can have something where you keep that market share, we feel it, it's much more helpful. Absolutely. And that's why your company is still around <laughs> three years after <laughs> its inception, right? And, I, and I'm proud of you guys for doing that. Cheers for that. Um, and there's another reason that your company is still around is that you don't have massive expenses. Yeah. Right? You haven't rented a gym yeah. and put your name on the door and then thought, oh, no, we've got to get this money coming in somehow because we've got a huge rent check yeah. and coming rent, out rent in Dubai year. for commercial property is, is huge. It's massive. Yeah. It's um, scary when you look at those numbers. Absolutely. And it's not going down. You know, uh, the, the economy isn't fantastic at the moment, but uh, commercial rents don't go down very easily. And so you can really get squeezed between the two. High rent and not enough customers. And it's something you definitely want to avoid. But it's also something that you want to avoid in your personal finances. So paying a lot for rent is just vanity. Most of the time you don't need that extra space. Um, paying uh, a lot for a, a car loan as well, having a fancy car, and then just getting it on debt is is even worse because that car will will drop in value the moment that you drive it off the forecourt. 
and and it will carry on dropping value and there's a lot of people out here who have car loans that have a much higher value than the actual value of their car and that's a scary situation because they can't even sell the car to pay off their car loan um so just to finish on that's on the expensive side just to finish on the income side um we've talked about increasing the number of customers you have increasing the value of those customers, having customers at different levels, so regular low-end customers, high-end customers as well. Uh, but then there's other sources of income. So so uh, it's really worth thinking about side hustles. And when you're a fitness instructor, you should be thinking about, like, what information do I have to share with the world? What makes me unique? Um, and then just get out there and share it, whether you have to be on YouTube uh, or you create online courses or you are creating an, an Instagram following uh, or podcasts, anything like that that builds your personal brand, uh, you will find people uh, attracted to that and either they'll become clients or they will be paying for your, your, your courses. So if you're a PT and you just do a $10 course on you know, the seven top ways to, to lose weight or how to, how to first get in the gym if you know nothing, Sell it for ten dollars, twenty dollars, you know, then a hundred dollars. Um, you're there's a lot of effort to do it up front, but once you've done it, those things are evergreen, and people will buy them bits and pieces. Uh, hopefully, increasing every month, more and more people will buy these, and then it's the most wonderful passive income, and it means that you can just earn money while you're sleep asleep, or earn money while you're also earning money with other people, and it gets you away from that hourly rate treadmill that is really tough as a PT where you are you know if you want to earn 10 hours worth you have to do 10 hours worth yeah. of work it's a very difficult yeah. thing to, to get if away you with get but it's sick then you don't yeah, yeah. exactly no and holiday it, pay if you want exactly. to take yeah. off. And it, but it, these days it's never been easier to create your own personal brand uh, the the person that I really admire is called uh, there's two people actually so James Smith uh, if you've he's uh, Australian, yeah, he's the yeah, and uh, he he uh, has got the, a fantastic Instagram following, and from that, uh, just sh- through sheer force of personality, uh, there's another person called Lauren Tickner, uh, who's got a really good Instagram page, um, and and there's a lot of shots of her looking good, but then if you actually read what she writes below it, it's really really solid advice on how to grow your personal brand, how to become an influencer and how to monetize your business and uh, that applies really to any kind of business and and I really admire her because she's she's 21 and she's really smashing it now she's doing she's doing really really well Um, but she also coaches uh, people on how to how to do well in the fitness industry as well so I recommend anyone in the fitness industry to check out those two people on Instagram because they're quite inspirational on how you can make money so if you're stuck with high rent a, a terrible savings rate find ways to boost your income it is absolutely mm-hmm. possible um and uh you know necessity is the mother of invention if if you find that your lifestyle's unsustainable you will go to amazing lengths to fix that and find other side hustles so is that that's number four <laughs> um i think we're still on we're still on step three which is manage your okay. savings rate and that has two parts boost your income and reduce your expenses. Okay. Um, so we're getting we're getting through them slowly. Mm. But I, these 
these are the most critical ones because we're laying the foundation for you to become financially independent and you have to have a good foundation for this and it takes a lot of the stress away um, so the other aspect of that is reducing expenses which can be difficult in Dubai especially if your self-image is tied up with having good clothes mm-hmm. having a fancy car having a fancy flat uh, what you need to do is a bit of an audit of your expenses which is super boring and most people never get around to it okay so it really depends on how much you want this how much do you want to be su- successful how much do you want to be financially secure if you're really willing to do this you will look at all your expenses go through all your credit card um, um, statements and see what exactly am i spending and try and categorize it uh, there are lots of uh, apps that do this now so spendy mint all of, all of these apps will help you track it or you can just use excel or you can literally just look through your credit card statement where on earth am i spending the money and try to categorize it so it tends to be rent food having fun petrol travel yeah travel um, sometimes school fees, education for some people. Um, these these are the main categories. Uh, and the first thing to do is look through the big items. Can I reduce my rent? These days, you absolutely can reduce your rent. Um, can I? Do I need that gym membership that that I never use? Do I have some membership of something else that yeah. I just never use? Um, can I uh, can I change the way that I travel? Uh, can I can I n- not eat out? so many times reduce the number of brunches cut down on drinking uh, there are so many things you do but start with the big stuff because that's what will make the biggest difference and then keep going keep going keep going why am i spending so much on food why am i spending so much with uber eats or delivery yeah. which is fantastically bad for the environment as well with all yeah. the plastic it's getting a bit better um where you have an option not to have plastic forks mm-hmm. delivered to you but but uh there are loads of ways to save money when it comes to food. You know, like buy a whole bunch of vegetables, roast them for the week, and just eat them throughout the week. You're just going to save so much money. Um, just living living that takeaway, uh, yeah. delivery, instant gratification lifestyle is expensive. It's terrible for the life, for the environment, um, and it's not sustainable. So, so reduce your expenses. And, and that act of both increasing your income and reducing your expenses will make a massive difference. And that is what is going to catapult you either fairly quickly or even if it's just a little bit every single month. One day you'll wake up and you'll be like, oh, my net worth is positive. Or, oh, my yeah. net worth Hooray. is actually quite big. Or, yeah. oh, I'm actually quite a successful business person or whatever it is. Um, that is I how you're going to get in a text message because the bank texts you when you get your salary. And I looked at the salary for, for January of one year and I thought, I can pay my credit card bill, I can cover my rent, and I'll actually have some money to get to the end of the month and I might even have some to save. And that was the moment that I was waiting for for maybe three years. And I was just like, wow, okay, <laughs> don't mess this up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, if I if if we end on on one point, I think it is you must pay off your credit card bill every single month in full. If you are not doing that, you are in 
big trouble. I mm-hmm. cannot emphasize this much. And, and look, we, we've all been there yeah. in Dubai. We all know what it's like I to carry know. a balance and think that it's okay. Or even even worse, like take cash out of your credit card to pay another bill. I read yesterday it's 3% or it's 100 dirhams, which is about 20 pounds. Yeah. Whichever is higher is the asterisk at the bottom. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's a disaster. And And look, we've all had problems. I remember like... One of the, the worst days that I had where I, <laughs> I, I was having cash flow issues uh, with my business, you know, like the timing of things coming in from government or whatever and things going out. And, and I literally didn't have 100 dirhams in my account. I had 90, 96 dirhams. And of course, you can't take yeah. 96 dirhams yeah. out. You need to have a minimum of 100 and I had to transfer like one pound from the UK so that I could get some money out and get a taxi to get home. And it was a ridiculous situation. And I swore that I would never get myself in yeah. this again. You yeah, know, but do you know what's important? It's important to have moments like that because then you know that you need to change yeah. something. So thank yeah. you for being honest about that too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Steve, it's been very enlightening. <laughs> thank yeah, you so we'll much. Yeah, we'll have to rest on this. What we'll do, what are we on now? Just Step four. Okay, we're just about to start step four. Yeah, we're just about okay, to start so we'll step four. We'll definitely do a second part of this podcast. When we can schedule it, we will be back with a second part, and we'll go through four to ten. Cool. Yeah. Because yeah, this is very, very good. And I'm, between now and then, we might even have a private meeting <laughs> with... Uh, with our progress. Somebody to help me with my orders. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I'd be Amazing. very happy to help. Yeah, it's been very enlightening. Thank you so much for yeah. your time. So where can people follow you on if, if they want to check out your website, if they want your advice, if they want to seek your help? Sure. So my website is deadsimplesaving.com. I encourage people to sign up to the mailing list and uh, to to read the blogs um, the other great resource is uh, simply fi uh, so they have a really good facebook group and that can really help you with more on the investing side um, i'm on instagram as uh, dead simple steve it's, <laughs> it's a work in progress i think i've got one post out there but uh, I, i'm gonna start well, posting. now you'll have three yeah i'm yeah. gonna start i'm gonna start posting more uh more on that because yeah. uh, yeah. yeah. you, to you can yeah you can take as many snippets from this and fantastic post it yeah. and use it as you wish yeah great yeah and we'll definitely obviously tag you in this it's been like very enlightening yeah, so i'm sure, sure there's so many people out there that are going to be listening to this and just like getting a little bit of a oh my god i need to do that and understand that so many people go through this yeah. like you're not out of control well you might be out of control now but yeah if i can fix it and sort it out anybody hey. anybody <laughs> else can yeah if you like the could the hospital bills you must have faced i remember talking to you about it yeah. I, I think it's really good to share the stories of when when you were down and out and make people realize that it's not just that. It's the same with Mental Health Day. Mm. Make people realize that it's not just them going through this. They don't have to put on a brave face. Um, But also that there is somewhere that they can go to if they are having trouble. I would encourage any PT, uh, if you're having financial issues, come and see me or come and see these guys and and talk to them about it because uh, you need someone to go to to fix this. Yeah, it's interesting. So recently I've had a lot of people come to me who have like 
huge injuries and are in wheelchairs and stuff like how did you get better how did you do this so I'm sure the same thing applies to you like when people have financial problems like how did you go from having 99 dirhams in your account to like now running a successful business well we'll see we'll find out Um, does does that make sense but also making it digestible in a way where it's not this advertisements go from zero you know these ads you see get financial independency in three months Mm. like that's no one's really buying that no. but to know that there is like steps one to ten yeah and that it's not overly complex yeah like i've seen in in the studio that i used to manage we used to look at all of the accounts every month and have this huge and i swear i would get an anxiety attack because i'd have to sit there and work out what everything meant and yeah. they were so complicated like i was youtubing and checking and sitting with our accountant and going back and like I just didn't understand all of it was so complex. So to be able to get yourself out of financial uh, debt or insecurity in a very simple way that is easy to navigate mm. is is very, very important because otherwise people stick their head in the sand because they don't know what to do and yeah. they don't understand it. And mm. that's a shame, yeah. really. The hardest thing is changing. The actual steps you need to take are, are not that difficult. Yeah. I would say it's, it's simple but not easy, mm. right? Awesome. Amazing. Well, well, thanks for coming in. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll sort this out. We'll get a second part of it as soon as we can. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.